Good morning. Pray with me, please. Father, we thank you for gathering us together this day. And our desire is to honor you and to worship your Son, to herald his name. Father, we thank you for sending our Lord Jesus to save us from our sins. Father, we are your people. We pray that you would be honored by us and be pleased with us this day. I pray that you would bless our fellowship, that we might worship you in spirit and in truth, that we might be built up in the most holy faith this day. We ask you these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it looks like, Lord willing, we're going to be reading a lot of Scripture today. We started this morning. In that first book of Moses... Genesis, we have a beautiful record of God's creation of humanity. Please turn to Genesis chapter 1. We read some of these texts this morning already in our morning study hour, but look down to verse 26. The Bible says, God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb-bearing seed which is upon the face of all the earth and every tree in which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed. To you it shall be for meat. And to every beast of the earth and to every fowl of the air and everything that creepeth upon the earth wherein there is life, I have given every green herb for meat. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. In the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Now in Genesis chapter 2, the record gives a little more detail about the creation of humanity. Look there to Genesis 2. Beginning in verse 7, I read, And Jehovah God formed man of the dust of the ground, And breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden. And there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life also in the midst of the garden. And the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And a river went out from Eden to water the garden, and from thence it was parted and became into four heads. The name of the first is Pison. That is it which compasseth the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold. 
And the gold of that land is good. And there is bdellium and the onyx stone. And the name of the second river is Gihon. The same is that which compasseth the whole land of Ethiopia. And the name of the third river is Hittakel. That is it which goeth toward the east of Assyria. And the fourth river is Euphrates. And the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make and help meet for him. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found an help meet for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of Holy Scripture. Well, did you note there in the reading when it was that humanity became alive? It was there in verse 7 where the Bible says, the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. In the Psalter of Israel, the people of God sing and they say, by the word of the Lord were the heavens made and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. Psalm 33, 6. The ancients understood this. <clears throat> Wise Job said of the Almighty, in his hand is the soul of every living thing and the breath of all mankind. Job twelve ten. He said, the spirit of God hath made me and the breath of the Almighty hath given me life. Job 33, 4. So the psalmist understands that the breath of man and the breath of beasts is from the Lord. He sings of the animal kingdom and he says, Thou hidest thy faith, thy face from the animals, and they are troubled. Thou takest away their breath, and they return to their dust. They die. Psalm 104, 29. And of humanity, he sings, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Psalm 150, verse 6. 
When God would destroy fallen humanity from the earth, sparing Noah and seven other souls, he said, quote, I, even I, do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh, wherein is the breath of life from under heaven. And everything that is in the earth shall die. But with thee, Noah, will I establish my covenant. And thou shalt come into the ark, thou and thy sons and thy wife and thy sons' wives with thee. Genesis 6, 17 and 18. I'm going to destroy everything that has the breath of life. Beloved, listen. The Bible teaches that the life of the flesh is in the blood. Leviticus 17, 11. But the Bible also teaches that the life of the body is in the breath. The breath of life. You've, you've heard of the old timers say of somebody who's dead, well, he couldn't fog a mirror. What, what, what are they talking about? He's got no breath. He's dead. D-E-A-D. There's no breath of life in him. He can't fog a mirror. The breath has departed. And with the breath, the spirit, the life, the soul, it's gone. When the breath of God, listen, when the breath of God entered the nostrils of a man, the man became a living soul. Now, God is not bound by time and space like we are. We are time-bound. We are space-bound. So, listen, it's a categorical error to think of God in human terms. He is not like us. We are simply not equipped to do that. All that we really know about God is what He has revealed to us about Himself. Do you understand that, friend? If he wanted to play hide and go seek, we would never find him. He has chosen not to do that. In his gracious mercy, he has revealed himself to us. Especially in his son, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Anything that he wants to conceal remains hidden from us. But, If I imagine the creation as revealed in Holy Scripture in analogical language, language that we humans can understand, it seems that sequentially, before the breath of God, Adam was a beautiful sculpture. An image, imaged by God. A statue carved by God. A figure made and molded by God out of the dust of the earth. But then, so that's before, but then Holy Scripture teaches that God, specifically Jesus, the second person of the Holy Trinity, God, the agent of God's creatorial work, Jesus, breathed into this dead statue into the nostrils of Adam, son of the red earth. That's what the Hebrew means, Adam. 
And man became a living soul. Holy Scripture affirms that it is our Lord, Jesus, the eternal Son who gives us life. John the Beloved writes, All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. John 1, verse 3. The great Apostle Paul affirms, There is but one God, the Father, of whom are all things, and we in Him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we by Him. 1 Corinthians 8, 6. And... For by him, that is Jesus, were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. Colossians 1, 16 and 17. So, brothers and sisters, listen. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God so that things that are seen are not made of things that do appear. Hebrews 11, or verse 3. Through faith, we understand the worlds were framed by the Word of God And don't you know that Jesus of Nazareth is the capital W Word of God? He is the Yohanin Lagos. Jesus is God's Word, and He made you. And if you're alive, He gave you life. So listen, friend, it's not just in the New Covenant Scriptures that we find Jesus as the giver of life. He's there in the Old Covenant Scriptures as well. At the very start, in the very beginning, He was there. Jesus, the wisdom of God. He was there saying, before the mountains were settled, before the hills was I brought forth, while as yet He had not made the earth, nor the fields, nor the highest part of the dust of the world, when He prepared the heavens... I was there when he set a compass upon the face of the depth, when he established the clouds above, when he strengthened the fountains of the deep, when he gave to the sea his decree that the waters should not pass his commandment, when he appointed the foundations of the earth. Then I was by him as one brought up with him. I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him, rejoicing in the habitable part of his earth. And my delights were with the sons of men. Proverbs 8, 25 through 31. Should be in red letters in your Bible. Now listen. Ungodly men. Ungodly men who hate the Almighty have devised all manner of schemas to account for the existence and consciousness of humanity. But, Whether they acknowledge it or not, there is in human consciousness an innate understanding that we are special. We are contingent. 
We did not make ourselves. We came from somewhere. From someone. Beloved, listen. Denial of the supernatural origin of humanity is rooted in denial of the existence and sovereignty of God. And the apostolic teaching is that such denial is evil and results in more evil. Paul writes, The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it to them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead. So they are without excuse. Because when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore God gave them over to the uncleanness through the lust of their own flesh to dishonor their own bodies between themselves who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. And I'll stop there, but if you're familiar with that scripture, then you know that immediately after this, there's a litany of sins, horrific sins, all rooted in the rejection of God's revelation, all rooted in the rejection of Jesus. The Lord God, that is, Jesus, formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Please turn in your Bibles to the fourth gospel, chapter 20. The Gospel according to St. John, the Beloved, chapter 20. The Bible says, The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early, when it was yet dark, under the sepulcher, and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulcher. Then she runneth, and cometh to Simon Peter, and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved, and saith unto them, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulcher, and we know not where they have laid him. Peter therefore went forth and that other disciple and came to the sepulcher. So they both ran together and the other disciple did outrun Peter and came first to the sepulcher. And he stooping down and looking in saw the linen clothes lying, yet went he not in. Then cometh Simon Peter following him and went into the sepulcher and seeth the linen clothes lie. And the napkin that was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. 
Then went in also that other disciple which came first to the sepulcher, and he saw and believed. For as yet they knew not the scriptures that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again to their own home. But Mary stood without at the sepulcher weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher and see, seeth two angels in white sitting, the one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. And they say unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? She saith to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. And when she had said thus, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was Jesus. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She, supposing him to be the gardener, saith unto him, Sir, if thou have borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus saith unto her, Mary. She turned herself and saith unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. Jesus saith unto her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my Father, but go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. Then, the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them, and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sins you remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins you retain, they are retained. Now, listen, this breathing of God onto his holy apostles is after his resurrection, before his ascension, before Pentecost. And as he breathes upon his beloved ones, he speaks to them and he says, receive ye the Holy Spirit. Now, recall that marvelous outpouring of the Spirit of God upon his church at Pentecost. Dr. Luke was an eyewitness to that event. And in his book, Acts, chapter 2, he records this. Listen. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. 
And when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? And how hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and dwellers in Mesopotamia and in the Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia and Egypt in parts of Libya throughout about Cyrene and strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretes and Arabians. We do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying to one another, What meaneth this? Others mocking said, These men are full of new wine. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said to them, You men of Judea, and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words. These are not drunk, as you suppose, seeing it's but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens, I will pour out in those days of my spirit and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and notable day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We'll we'll stop there for now, but... Did you notice what filled the house where they were sitting? The King James Version translates it as a rushing mighty wind. The New International Version as the blowing of a violent wind. The New American Standard as a violent rushing wind. Well, beloved, listen, what was it? What was it? Well, listen, we don't have to wonder. Thanks to the apostolic hermeneutic, we have the Petrine interpretation there in verses 16 through 21. And Peter says in verse 16, this is that. This, what you're seeing right now, this is that. It's what Joel prophesied. This is what, Peter? This is what the old covenant prophet Joel foretold long, long ago. He spoke of a coming day when God would pour out His Spirit upon the earth, upon men and upon women, upon young and upon old, even upon slaves, man-slaves and handmaidens. Beloved, listen. What? Was that blowing of a violent wind? What was that rushing mighty wind? It was the breath of God. It was the breath of Jesus 
Listen, it was the breath of Jesus breathing life into the nostrils of his church. Infusing within the church's body heavenly breath, divine life. Saints of God, there is a divine echo here. And those of you with ears to hear, you ought to hear it. There is a divine echo here. There is a divine echo all the way back to Eden. For there, the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. And here, at Pentecost, in a house in Jerusalem, God breathed into his bride's body the breath of divine life, and she arose a living soul and strode forth conquering and to conquer. Hence, to conquer all nations. Saints, listen, don't don't you see here another beautiful golden thread woven through the tapestry of Holy Scripture? From the creation of humanity that would fall in pristine Eden all the way to create the creation of the redeemed humanity that will stand in Jesus and not fall. The teaching of Holy Scripture on the breath of life affirms that our physical life and our spiritual life are found exclusively in our Creator and our Redeemer, Jesus. In C.S. Lewis's masterpiece, the line, The Witch in the Wardrobe, Aslan, the high king of Narnia, comes across his creatures that have been turned into stone statues. And Aslan breathes on them. And they change from unfeeling blocks of stone into sentient, loving, warm-blooded animals. Again. Yes, that's fiction. But beloved, what would it have been like to be there when God breathed into the nostrils of that Adamic sculpture? And He became a living, thinking, feeling, loving creature. What would that have been like? You remember that prophecy of Ezekiel when the prophet sees the breath of God bring life to the dead? In Ezekiel 37, I read, The hand of Jehovah was upon me, and he carried me out in the spirit of Jehovah and set me down in the midst of a valley which was full of bones. And he caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, there were very, very many in the open valley, and lo, they were very dry. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? 
And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. And he said to me, prophesy upon these bones and say unto them, O you dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Then saith the Lord God unto these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you and will bring up flesh upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise. And behold, a shaking. And the bones came together, bone to his bone. And when I beheld, lo, the sinews and the flesh came upon them. And the skin covered them above, but there was no breath in them. Then said he unto me, prophesy unto the wind. Prophesy, son of man. And say to the wind, thus saith the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood up upon their feet, an exceeding great army. Now, beloved, listen. Surely this idea of the breath of God. Surely it summons a creation image. But the creation image is also a conversion image. And the teaching of Holy Scripture and the apostolic gospel is that all of God's children are indwelt by His Holy Spirit. All of them have been enlivened by the breath of God. Nicodemus came by night so he wouldn't be seen by men, saying, Master, tell me why a man must be born again. And Jesus saith unto him, Marvel not that I said unto thee, You must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. John 3, verses 7 and 8. Saints of God, our triune God is one God and three persons. Father, Son, and Spirit. The Hebrew word ruach can mean wind or breath or spirit. And the Greek word that corresponds to ruach is pneuma. And you can hear in that, pneuma, the Greek term for the root for pneumonia and pneumatic, you know, like pneumatic tools, air tools. Both of these words are commonly used in Bible passages referring to the Holy Spirit. And friend, that's not accidental. Nothing is accidental with our God. When Jesus said, it is the spirit that gives life. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak to you, they are spirit 
And they are life. John 6, 63. When he says that, both times that he mentions the spirit, the Greek he uses is pneuma. Which, as we noted, can mean breath or spirit. So, beloved, understand, the breath of God gives life. The Spirit of God gives life. And the breath of God, the Spirit of God is blowing, moving, and you can't see it. You can't see it. But you can see the trees shake when the wind blows them, can't you? You can see where it's been and you can see what He's doing. Beloved, He's at work. Moving people. Saving souls. Comforting saints. Making Jesus shine like nuclear fire. Like a diamond against black velvet. The light is shining in the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it. The breath of God is blowing. Dear ones, remember, (laughs) Holy Scripture is filled with wonderful names of our wonderful Lord And a most beautiful one is found in the Lamentations of Jeremiah where our Lord Jesus is entitled the breath of our nostrils, the anointed of Jehovah. Lamentations 4.20 Jesus, the breath of our nostrils, the anointed of Yahweh. The glories of my maker, God, my joyful voice shall sing and call the nations to adore their former and their king. T'was his right hand that shaped our clay and wrought this human frame. But from his own immediate breath, our nobler spirits came. We bring our mortal powers to God and worship with our tongues. We claim some kindred with the skies and join the angelic songs. Let groveling beasts of every shape and fowls of every wing and rocks and trees and fires and seas their various tributes bring. You planets, tis honor, shine and wheels of nature roll. Praise him in your unwearied course around the steady pole. The brightness of our maker's name the wide creation fills and his unbounded grandeur flies beyond the heavenly hills. Sing to the Lord that built the skies, the Lord that reared this stately frame. Let all the nations sound his praise, and lands unknown repeat his name. He formed the seas and formed the hills, made every drop and every dust, nature and time with all their wheels, and pushed them into motion first. 
Now from his high imperial throne, he looks far down upon the spheres and bids the shining orbs roll on and round he turns our hasty years. Thus shall this moving engine last till all his saints are gathered in. Then for the trumpet's dreadful blast to shake it all to dust again. Yet when the sound shall tear the skies and lightning burn the globe below, saints, you may lift your joyful eyes. There is a new heaven and earth for you. Please stand with me for prayer. Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, fill me with thy spirit that I may be occupied with thy presence. I am blind. Oh, help me to see. Dark, say to me, let there be light. Give me faith to behold my name engraven in thy hand, my body and soul redeemed by thy blood my sinfulness covered by a life of obedience. Replenish in me thy revealing grace that I may realize my union with thee, that I may know that thou hast espoused me to thyself in righteousness, love, mercy, faithfulness, that I am one with thee as a branch with its stock, as a building with its foundation, O may thy comforts cheer me in my sorrows, thy strength sustain me in my trials, thy blessings revive me in my weariness, thy presence render me a fruitful tree of holiness, thy might establish in me peace and joy, make me ceaseless in prayer, kindle in me undying devotion, O Lord Jesus, search my heart. Show me my corruption and my helplessness that I may flee to Thee, cling to Thee, rest on Thee as the beginning and the end of my salvation. O let me never vex You by indifference and waywardness. Let me not grieve You by coldness or rebellion. O hear my prayers, Lord For thy great name's sake. In Jesus' name, amen.